0: This is Gradcast.
1: All the do's and don'ts of being a grad. Hi, I'm Callum.
0: I'm Krishna.
2: In this episode of Gradcast, the interview coach reveals her tips and tricks. The reason that the
3: uh, public service uses the behavioural questions for both interviews and for writing selection criteria is this this is a very um, evidence-based model. So it gets you to talk about what you actually have done as opposed to what you propose you might
2: do in the future. Staying grounded once you've got the job.
4: The one thing that one of my mentors said is, you're not a celebrity.
2: And seizing inspiration from the most unlikely places as you plan your career.
5: One of my directors told me that data scientists who can understand business needs and communicate well are like unicorns. They don't exist. And so I made it my career goal to be a unicorn.
2: Produced on Ngunnawal land in Canberra, this is Gradcast, brought to you by CSC.
1: Hello and welcome back to Grandcast. I'm Callum and I'm joined by my co-host Krishna.
0: Hey Callum, how's it going?
1: It's going good, thanks Krishna. Uh, It's been a busy time in Canberra at the moment. Um, Lots is happening, particularly around the budget. How has that been um, where you're working, Krishna? Has that affected what you're doing? Are you busy with that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's almost April. We're almost 120 days into the year. And I think I've made every single one of those days count till now. And budget has definitely made me feel the heat. Um, So, yeah, it's been a very, very busy time running around Parliament House as I do. um, Just making sure that we're getting all our work done in time for this very, very important event and hopefully everything goes smoothly. But you tell me, you're um, still doing your first rotation. How has it been so far and um, are there any updates that you have for us?
1: Yeah, that's right. So I'm still doing my first rotation in the marketing team at CSE and at the moment also it's uh, an important time because there's a lot of careers fairs happening. So for our listeners who are... uh, aspiring to a job in the APS Um, you might have been to careers fairs recently Uh, it's a time when lots of uh, applications are happening for grad programs in the APS so as part of my role I've been uh, producing some material to help people who are applying for grad roles to be doing those better and making those applications really stand out.
0: Love it. Look at you go. You've just started as a grad and you already started helping other grads. I love that attitude. That's very, very good. Um, But at the same time, to any of our grads who are currently in Queensland or New South Wales, um, we hope you're looking after yourself because we know um, the floods have been really, really bad there. And um, if some of you have been seconded, then please make sure that you are looking after your mental health and reaching out um, to your managers to ask for any time off that you need and definitely using the resources that your agency provides you with. Uh, But apart from that, I think we have a really, really good episode lined up today. Lots of good advice coming um, your way, as usual. So get ready.
1: Very excited. Let's get into it.
2: This is Gradcast. First up, nailing the interview. The do's, don'ts and everything in between with the interview coach.
0: Lisa Tosa is here with us in our studio today, so welcome Lisa, Um, thank you so much for being here. So I wanted to just, um, I guess, start off by how about you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and a little bit about your experience in the coaching and um, coaching
3: industry. Thank you, Krishna. I'm so excited to be here, and I'm so excited to be able to give some tips to some grads as grad season is approaching. Um, So what I'm currently doing is I am a career development practitioner in private practice. I have my own business, and I've had that for the past five years, and it's called the interview coach. And I decided to put this business together because I could see that there was um, a niche to help people prepare for interviews, particularly for public service interviews. Um, So I've been doing that for the past five years, and previous to that, I was an assessor where I sat on lots of government interview panels and kind of you know, learn from the other side of the table how to do that so I could instruct people.
0: Sounds good. Um, when I look back to my grad I definitely remember being very nervous and mm. actually being very lost as well. So I think the niche you've identified is obviously very accurate. And what is your absolute favorite thing um, with coaching candidates um, across the years? And is there any difference between the kind of candidates you coach and the tips you give to public service candidates versus private service um, staff?
3: Having been established here in Canberra, I almost exclusively work with public service candidates, and I've kind of um, really developed that niche. And it is a very specific model. And um, if you're an interview nerd like me, you can go look up the APS recruitment guidelines and see what it is you need to do to crack that code. Um, So it is a very specific, almost formulaic thing that you need to do if it's a public service interview. The difference with a private sector one is often it can be really just a conversation conversation. Uh, And so depending on what someone is preparing for will guide how I help them prepare.
0: And so how do you think um, the interviewing landscape has changed, especially in the public service over, I guess, the last maybe even, I guess, let's say 20 years
3: since the time you've been here? Yeah, well, look, I've really only worked in this niche for about the past seven, but things have changed quite a bit in that period of time. And I think the biggest thing that changed is the technology side of things. Um, Because when I first started my business, um, I was very focused on trying to replicate this face-to-face interview. And now in the past two years, it's rare to have a face-to-face interview. Um, Technology has been a big change. So people are using a lot more online interviews. Either with or without an interviewer on the other side, you can have an asynchronous video interview where you just record into a blank screen. And you even have things like um, artificial intelligence where you have bots that are assessing you. So those are the big changes that I'm seeing.
0: No, and I've even heard that some of these bots are so advanced, they pick up on keywords that you're saying and you're automatically rejected or processed onto the next stage of the interview. Is that true?
3: Absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, I was reviewing one of the graduate programs for our chat today and I see that they have a behavioral assessment and I think that that's likely to be what it is. Um, and look to answer a question that people already have, you can't game it. You know, right. you can't figure out how, to, how to, um, to get around it. They're very good at assessing exactly the way you are. As you said, the industry is very much changing.
0: Um, can you give us some tips on how to not beat the software, but I guess make the most out of it in whether it's an online interview you're giving or an in-person interview you are giving. What are some tips you would give to APS graduates to stand
3: out in the interview? Well, there's a couple of things that I think you can do to stand out. The first one is it's really important that you do plenty of research. Um, One of the things that graduate employers are looking for is they want to see your motivation. And you can't really show them your motivation unless you can show them that you understand government priorities and that your values align with their values. Um, So I think that's one of the really key things. Um, Another key thing is making sure you differentiate yourself. So everybody who's invited to a graduate assessment center is going to be qualified. Mm -hmm. And everyone is going to have, you know... Um, a good uni degree and be a team player and be able to communicate. But what they're looking for, as any good team would be looking for, is to have a diverse team because diversity is is strength, obviously. Um, So figuring out how you can differentiate yourself, either based on what your degree is or based on your work experience or maybe even your lived experience if you've lived overseas or something, Mm -hmm. I think that's super key as well. I have um, done a bit of reading on you uh, before this (laughs) interview.
0: um, And I did come across an article by you, which is my favourite interview question. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to ask you and put you on the spot today. Mm. If you were a box of
3: cereal, what type of cereal would you be and why? Oh, now you get to ask the tricky questions. Okay, Krishna. Well, um, I think I would be sultana brand with ot clusters okay very specific i like it okay yeah because not just regular sultana brand because sultana brand in its own right is you know very wholesome and good for you you know and i like to be wholesome um, but I also like those like those little dollops of fun that you find <laughs> randomly when you're eating your cereal in the morning. So sure. every so often I hope to come up with some little gem of fun to share with people. I love that. That's a very
0: refreshing <laughs> answer. And I wish that during my grad interview I was asked these sorts of questions because they actually allow you to let your personality shine yeah. a bit as well. Um, mm-hmm. I know if I was a cereal, I would definitely be um, Lucky Charms because ah. I'm all about the extravagance yeah. and also I guess having a bit of that surprise element in you never know what kind of charm you're going to get next. I also wanted to ask you um, what kind of advice you can give to any of the grads listening on how to um, address the questions that they are asked in interviews. Um, In the Australian Public Service, we always get told from day one, and even a simple Google search will bring up that the STAR method is what's preferred, is that still relevant Um, Is
3: there anything we can tweak in that STAR method to help um, stand ourselves out amongst the crowd? Yes and yes. So the STAR method is still absolutely imperative. Um, And don't be tripped up because it has other names. So sometimes it's also called um, SAO or sometimes it's even called CAR. So what they stand for, STAR is Situation, Task, Action, Result. SAO is Situation, Action, Outcome, and CAR is Current Situation, Action, Result. So these are just three of the acronyms. They all boil down to the same thing, which is about telling a little story. So um, the STAR technique is used to answer behavioral questions. And behavioral questions are easy to identify because they are never a question. They're an invitation to tell a story. So a behavioral question is, tell me about a time you met a deadline, not how would you go about meeting a deadline, okay? So we always want to go backwards. The reason that the uh, public service uses the behavioral questions for both interviews and for writing selection criteria is this this is a very um, evidence-based model. So it gets you to talk about what you actually have done as opposed to what you propose you might do in the future. So that's why it's a really solid... um, solid model to use. Now, there are a couple of um, tips and tricks around it. So one of the things that's really important is that you pick a specific example. So they're likely to ask you questions about things you do all the time. So they might say something like, tell me about a time you worked as a member of a team. And you might say, well, you know, I work in a team at work and, you know, we always do everything together. And you just kind of describe a process, which is not the same as picking a discrete example. So the really key thing is to make sure that you're really specific and you pick an example and not discuss it generally. The other thing that's a, that's a big pitfall is that people tend to talk about we, And it's absolutely fine. In fact, it's great to pick examples when you're working with other people. It's just imperative that you show me what you did versus what somebody else did. So it's like, you know, you can't say we built a house. You have to say I did the carpentry and someone else did the painting and someone else did the electrics. Mm -hmm. So specifically focusing on your um, role in that example. Yes, and including the roles of the other people because, you know, the public service is a collaborative approach. We want to see what everybody's doing together. And the final part is when I coach candidates to use the star technique, I suggest they put an imaginary I at the end of star. And this imaginary I is for impact. And... Um, there's an opportunity for you to really enhance your answer by giving an impact at the end. So rather than saying, and we met the deadline, you expand it by saying, which meant that we got the talking points up to the minister and they were able to, you know, brief the press and et cetera, et cetera. And keep in mind as well, when you're a graduate, that one of the impacts you can always reflect on is your learning, which is really important for graduates.
0: What kind of other examples um, or examples from life could somebody,
3: you know, use in an interview? Krishna, you could use just about anything, because the important thing that they're assessing is the behavior. Sure. They're not assessing the what. They're assessing the how. So you could talk about you know achieving a result as a member of a team you know in your volunteer experience, in your family, um, in a sporting context, in a volunteer context there's all kinds of different things. So whether or not um, it's in a work context um, is not useful. I will tell you what my worst my worst um, example is if I can share that one absolutely um, when I'm coaching grads one of the ubiquitous ones that I hear all the time is the um the group assignment at uni the ever popular <laughs> group assignment at okay. uni and look I've definitely i definitely use that one as well so, I have yeah. heard this a million times and so I'm sure that the other assessors have heard it a million times oh, yeah. so again differentiate yourself come up with something different you know come up with something different Can you give us a bit of insight into what the actual
0: application looks like, or if there's any, a couple of different styles of application and interviews that
3: you might have come across? Yes. And this this goes to another point that I wanted to make that I think is really important. And that is to look at the job ad as your single source of truth. Your job as a grad is to really study that job ad and see exactly what it is they are looking at and make sure you deliver it. And that's where the questions will come from. So that's how you'll know that you're, um, that you're going down the right path. Um, equally important is if, they, if you have a job ad that has a bunch of hyperlinks in it to the APS values or to a corporate strategy, follow those, read those. Those are going to be important. So do you have any advice on at what
0: point should somebody reach out to a career coach um, um, like yourself mm. and how can
3: they get in touch with you? Well, they can do lots of things. They're very welcome to get in touch with me. My website is interview.coach, or you can Google my name, and it'll pop up. Um, I have about 50 YouTube videos that I've made, which folks can watch, and I have lots of blog posts, and um, almost all of them talk about APS jobs, but um, a big chunk of them talk about graduate jobs. Um, In terms of whether or not an individual decides they want coaching – Um, An underutilized resource is your career center at your uni. So make sure you go check in with them. Um, Now, they don't have the same sort of one-on-one approach that I would have uh, because they're just not that resourced. But, you know, this is really their focus. So um, have a chat with them. And I think the two big things that people reach out to me for with coaching um, are people really struggling with nerves. So if you, the one thing I can do that's different is help you practice live and get feedback that's in line with what, um, what the APS uses. Thank you so much
0: once again, Lisa, for coming in and giving us your time. I had a really lovely time chatting with you.
3: Thank you, and um, good luck to all the grads this year.
2: You're listening to Gradcast, brought to you by CSC, the Commonwealth Superannuation Corporation. Now, once you've aced the interview, then comes the job. And some advice is timeless,
1: as you'll hear next. We're joined here in the studio by two very special guests, Caitlin and Niddy, who are here to talk about their experiences in the uh, Australian Public Service as graduates. Uh, So Caitlin and Niddy, first of all, can you guys just introduce yourselves, tell us uh, your role and which department you're in at the moment, uh, how long you've been there as well. Uh, Maybe Niddy, you can go first.
4: My name is Nidhi Yogi, I am currently working with the Department of Defence as a policy and corporate graduate, and I've been in that role for about a month, so a
6: very fresh face. My name is Caitlin, I work in um, Aus Industry, which is in the Department of Industry Science, Energy and Resources, and I've worked there since uh, February 2020. I think this is my 13th year in the APS
0: stark contrast there between our two guests in the studio today. I think we're going to have a very interesting conversation. But (laughs) But we value your experience and that's why you're here. So thank you so much, both of you guys, for being here. Nidhi, can you tell us, and then Caitlin, can you tell us, um, your most memorable experience about working in the APS so far?
4: Uh, So... I'm a Melbourneian who has moved to Canberra so I think the most memorable would be moving to Canberra for work and going through that transition. And also working as a graduate in Department of Defence is amazing. It's one of the biggest organisation, uh, particularly in the government, and the vast majority of experience that we are exposed to. As I said, I'm in por- policy and graduate um, policy and corporate pathway. Sorry, and that's where we get to interact with ADF. We get to work on exciting projects that impact three different big. Uh, names army navy and air force Mm. and to just go through the rotations have uh, been amazing i haven't been through many this is my first one Mm. but other than that just meeting new grads and following the the lead that is given by mentor has been amazing
0: caitlin you have been here 13 years so feel free to you know Uh, list more than one
6: experience um i had thought about this i haven't done anything like super exciting and i really i have to say i appreciate your fresh-faced um enthusiasm, nitty because I remember feeling like that when I was a grad um, many years ago. Um, I think the most uh, exciting thing that I've done, well, most memorable experience for me was I used to work in, um, so I've worked across a number of different portfolios, but I used to work in Indigenous Affairs for many years. And I was in the Indigenous Education Policy, specifically school attendance. Um, and through that, I got to visit a number of remote communities in the Northern Territory. Uh, remote Aboriginal communities and um, that was a really worthwhile experience um, and I think one that more people, more people in the public service should have the opportunity to undertake because it directly shows you the impact of government policies on the ground, particularly in remote Aboriginal communities which are very, very different um, to um, what mainstream urban Australia is like and there's a bit of a sort of tenuous relationship with government there. Um, so it's pretty exper- it's pretty interesting experience to go where you're not exactly wanted either. Um, But I think it's a very important one to know the context around why it is certain things occur, and it gives you much greater understanding of um, cultural issues and how those impact and, like, taking that back to Canberra um, and hopefully, you know, implementing that um, was really important. And I think the second thing I would say about that is, in a different job, I got to um, visit a lot of state offices, um, particularly places in, um, you know, that weren't necessarily... Um, you know, big urban centres like, for example, Bernie in Tasmania, which is not a huge area, even though it's a swing, state, it's a swing seat in government, so it gets quite a lot of attention. But um, it's really important to be able to talk to those people in those offices because I think they feel they are the delivery arm of government um, and I think they feel neglected often by Canberra because they don't get a lot of exposure and they're doing the really important work and liaising with people face-to-face and when things go wrong, they're the ones that actually cop um, all of the criticism. Um, whereas we, you know, when, when, I, when I used to live in Canberra, um, you know, you're sitting in your ivory tower, so, so to speak. So you're sort of a bit removed from that. So I think it's really important. Um, and I, I have said this um, as a feedback to many of the departments I've worked in that I think it's really important for grads to be able to get out, um, even if it's not in the first year of government to um, state offices to see what things are like on the ground.
1: So both of you have been through uh, graduate programs. Um, Nidhi, you have just started. So you went through the application process very recently. Uh, could you tell us what were some of the things that you did in preparation for your initial interview um, for your like, the grad program with Department of Defense?
4: Uh, of course. So I've had a little bit of professional experience beforehand to this graduate program, so I knew a little bit about how formal interviews are taken undertaken. But uh, fortunately for me, I wanted to get into defence since I was year ten. In year ten, I wanted to get into ADF didn't get the chance. So I had the bright idea of just joining as an ABS. I am sure that I would be contributing some part of my life towards the greater good. Um, so I started with the basics, research, 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 taking a lot of notes. Um, and it's this is nothing to do with formality or anything. It's just about learning where you wanna go. And I've always said since the start that the organizations are looking at people who are good and ready to work. Uh, Once you have that down packed, having the information about the organisation, it's just you learning about the culture. So you need to be equipped going into the interview with whatever you can. Um, And also, because I was undertaking, as every grad would be, several interviews, you don't go after one interview. I always reflected back on every interview. So after an interview, after I've had my breakdown, that it didn't go well. I would take my notepad and write how I felt during that interview, where I went right, where I went wrong, and to just have that, first of all, out of my mind, kind of like a reflection, and second of all, to kind
0: of just reflect back when I'm going to the next interview. Apart from um, just preparing for the interviews itself, Nidhi, what kind of other preparation did you do and what kind of extracurricular things did you do at uni which you think might have landed you your dream job? Um, I think the
4: first thing that I did was uh, always take out time to prepare and um, have timelines in your head. When is what interview do? Uh, that's really important. Uh, and in terms of experience, I've had a uh, a little bit of experience through our university. I've worked every single year of my university. I don't recommend it. That's not my recommendation, but I'm just a workaholic. So I've worked in different organisations and industries. I think the biggest thing that I had in my head since I started university was nothing is too small, nothing's too big. So I start. I worked at a gym. I worked at Converse. I have worked in hospitality as a chef. I've worked in within university. I've worked in law society because I was studying commerce and law, wherever and Whenever I could get an opportunity, I put my hand up and then I realised maybe this is something for me. Maybe this is something not for me. And when I uh, got to the stage where I am at, where I was interviewing at graduate programs, I realized that through everything I've learned so many soft skills. Definitely getting that degree has given me the technical and hard skills that I can obviously go in and say, talk about legislation or whatever, but the soft skills that were all gained by my experience. And even just having, going through the group assignments was one of, a, again, I use that as an example in an interview, nothing exact nothing is too small, nothing's too big.
0: Caitlin, do you agree with the whole attitude of just going for it or do you think it's better to have a more niche approach? No, And what kind I think of also good. do you think about soft skills in the public service? Oh, soft
6: skills are huge and I think what I, um, everything that Niti said I 100% agree with and I, I think it's really vital to be able to show and it doesn't matter. Soft skills are transferable throughout all careers, like whether it be working in customer service at a shop You know, um, that's teamwork, you know, that's communication. Having been in the public service for a while now, when it comes to recruitment, um, looking at somebody who has worked versus someone who's just studied and got the grades, I'd probably pick someone that's got work experience because you know that they know how to work in a team, which is really important, Um, and you know that they will take initiative, ask questions, that sort of thing. Stuff that, I mean, I think now probably also because I went to university quite a long time ago, um things things have changed, it's a bit more dynamic. But I think you can't underestimate the value of those skills of being of and being work ready is having worked before. Um the thing that I will build on um what it is that is what I what I did to prepare when I wanted to become a public servant is um part of my university degree I had to do an internship. Um and I would recommend this to anyone, even if you don't it's not a a obligatory part of your degree. And I think that public service writing is very niche, and it's not dif- difficult to learn, but it takes time. Um, and there's a lot of different um, entities you can do, if you especially if you're doing like sort of an arts degree or a social policy policy degree that you can do internships with to learn that writing. um and it may not necessarily be a government organisation. I did with mine with the Australian Human Rights Commission, and I did research and policy, I did research and policy writing. I produce some papers on some immigration issues, for example, um, just things like that, or volunteering with an NGO. Um, a lot of NGO need, need people to do research and analysis and policy writing for them as well. And I think that really gets you in the mode and it also makes you sort of more attractive to recruiters when you're applying.
1: I guess, so, Caitlin, you've been in the Australian Public Service for a bit longer. <laughs> if you, what would be one tip to people who are new in the public service or thinking about joining the public service about, like, What's the work culture like? What can you sort of tell them about that?
6: Um, the work culture varies from from uh, portfolio to portfolio. When, when you're entering a grad program, um, I would say probably don't be – be ambitious, but you're not going to change the world in the first year of the public service. Um, be grateful that you um, – and sometimes things seem a bit esoteric, like you don't really know the reason why you're doing something and what impact it has on real world – like you might be writing a policy paper that may not seemingly not go, where, go anywhere, but it's all part of a bigger um, sort of project that, you know, it all sort of has an impact on the, the things that we do as normal Australian, you know, in Australian public life. So don't be disappointed if, you know, you're not working on some extreme major policy in your first year as a grad. Um, you're just there to le- learn skills and get as much experience as you can. Um, And I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of idealism with the grads, that people that tend to join the public service. Um, And that can often be sort of quashed when you're a grad, but I'd say take heart in the fact that everything does matter um, and it does have an impact on the way that, you know, we do deliver all of the things to our fellow citizens.
4: The one thing that one of my mentors said is you're not a celebrity. I go by that. You're a celebrity. You're not a celebrity, sorry. You're coming in as a blank page.
1: Oh Yeah, well, thank you so much to Caitlin and Nidhi for joining us. It's been a great conversation. Thanks again.
4: No worries. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having me as well.
2: Telling It Like It Is, Gradcast, for grads, by grads, with Callum and Krishna.
0: Welcome back to Gradcast. Our current grad, Callum, has been out and about the town. I know he's already experienced Enlighten, but this time he's decided to get down to business and attend the Grad Data Network Annual Forum for us. So tell us all about how that experience was, Callum.
1: Yeah, that's right. So I recently attended the Graduate Data Forum, which was held in Canberra, and it's a forum hosted by the Graduate Data Network, and it brings together uh, future government leaders from all across the APS, and th- we were thinking about how we can best use data in our decision-making uh, and hearing lots of, I guess, stories about how data has been used really well and how we can realise its full uh, potential and the full value of the data we have.
0: Amazing. Sounds great.
1: That's right. It was really good. And thanks to IPA for letting us um, come and take part and do some interviews, and I spoke to some of the people who were there taking part in the forum. Alright, so to start off with, could you please tell us your name, where did you do your graduate program and what are you doing now?
7: Sure, so my name is Heshani Namalua. I did a graduate program at the Department of Veterans Affairs last year. I completed three different rotations throughout my graduate year and since then I got into the Parliament graduate program and now, now I'm based at the Parliamentary Budget Office. I first got involved in the Graduate Data Network back in last June. Uh, when I saw the email, I was quite interested just because I always had an interest in data, but just as a broad, I guess, experience-wise, skills-wise, I thought it would be a good opportunity just, just meet new people outside of your department and just work something different. Um, so since then I've been working on the Graduate Data Forum that we are presenting today. I've been leading that working group to put that forum together. I've been liaising with various different senior um, executives throughout the APS and I've been liaising with IPACT as well and it has been such a fantastic experience just putting this together and working with different people especially liaising with senior executives. That's not something you get to do as a graduate usually so that has been such a fantastic experience.
8: My name's Amy, and I did the graduate program last year at the Department of Health, and I'm currently still there working in a really amazing area in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Health. Previously, I hadn't had much experience in the world of data. I did psychology at uni, so anything that I know about data was doing statistical analyses on a specific program to do with psychological matrices, I guess. Um, So I thought it was a really great opportunity. And then I was also part of organising... the event today, the annual JDN conference, so it was kind of combining two things that I'd never really heard about, using data to inform sort of policy and program, but also um, event management, I suppose, which is really cool. My name is Lil, I'm working uh, in
1: the Department of Social Services. I did data um, stream because I really enjoy data. In my, uh, recent, in my last year of uni, I did um, machine learning algorithms and other data science related courses and I really enjoyed it. Secondly, um, I wanted to go into public service because I really like the opportunities that public service gives. Uh, They invest in you and invest in continuous learning, but also you you get that nice work-life balance in public service. Where do you see your career path headed from here? I'm looking forward to experimenting with my capabilities, adding on more technical skills as well as some soft skills to be able to communicate and engage with other people to make sense and have insightful impacts with data.
9: My name is uh, Matthew Choi, I'm a former IT graduate um, at the Department of Finance and now I'm pursuing a full-time role um, as an IT um, architect. I'm interested in seeing how data is utilised in a public service and being able to provide insightful information for users um, and being able to, at least in this particular case, help organise the, uh, the large data forum um, today, um, being able to be able to showcase that information um, to attendees and see what opportunities are available out there and be able to provide that inspiration of um, being able to make better use of that data um, for the benefit of all Australians. In terms of my career path, that's something that I'm still trying to work out exactly. Um, What I found in the public service is that there is a variety of different opportunities and career pathways I can follow. Um, I do want to continue my time in the public service to be able to continue to serve the Australian public in any capacity possible and hopefully find a career direction that uh, fits my interests and needs. My name's Scott Perrin and I'm doing my graduate program with the Department of Social Services in the Longitudinal Studies Research and Methods
8: team. Me and my team look after the um, Longitudinal Study of Indigenous Children, the um, L6 survey, and as part of that I've been able to undertake uh, multiple different sorts of um, tasks, everything from data cleaning to even confidential- confidentialising um, free text responses, which has been something that I never thought I'd do, but something that's been really rewarding and makes, like, it really makes the work feel special. Where do you see your career path heading from here? Well, that's probably the best part about the graduate program is I have no idea. So um, I love the team that I'm in in at the moment and the work we do is fantastic. Um, Later on in the year, I get to do a second rotation. So that'll be somewhere completely different doing work that's completely different. And I might like that better. I might not like that as much and then go back to my original team. And then moving forward into the future, who knows?
6: My name is Ternim. I did my grad program last year in Services Australia and I'm currently a system analyst in Services Australia still, yeah. I'm really um, letting my
1: opportunities take me to different places, Um, but I would like to see myself growing and definitely hopefully become a senior analyst or like a direct some state, definitely, yeah.
5: Hi, my name's Andrew Pfeiffer. I did my grad program at the Australian Taxation Office in 2016 and I'm currently working at the APS Reform Office in the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet. My favourite project while working for the Australian Taxation Office has been to build a dashboard that visualises the output of JobKeeper participants, um, the output of a risk model that estimates risk for JobKeeper participants and I got to present that dashboard to the Commissioner of Taxation and other members of the ATO's Executive Committee. Uh, The second Commissioner described the dashboard as the gold standard for visualising the output of of risk models in the ATO and that's something that I'm really proud of. One of my directors told me that data scientists who can understand business needs and communicate well are like unicorns. They don't exist. And so I made it my career goal to be a unicorn, to be a data scientist who could public speak well. Um, I joined things like Toastmasters. I've given a TED Talk at the ATO. And I also made it my goal to understand business needs, to really understand the strategic value of what I was delivering for my stakeholders, to immerse myself in corporate plans and annual reports. And so I'd love to get a breadth of experience. That's why I've joined the APS Reform Office at the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet. And I have aspirations to senior leadership in the public service.
2: Getting out and about with Gradcast. Tell us what you think. Write to us at hello at gradcast.com.au or visit our website, gradcast.com.au. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Thank you so much for listening. That's it for this episode. But on our next episode, we're going to be talking all about work and play and balancing the two. The lessons we can learn from sport when it comes to leadership and teamwork in the office.
1: I've been talking to one of the National Basketball League's most celebrated players and coaches, Cal Bruton. A winner on the court. But let's see if Brisbane come back again as they've done all year, Bruton. Gee, isn't he a fine player? Bruton not finished with, nice drive, Cal Bruton. He really has never, ever given up in this game. And quite the mentor offered. it. I would like to think, Callum, that there's not a whole lot of difference. Mm. You know, um, there's transferable skills, you know. Yeah. you. You have to build that within yourself. Uh, I call it your your spines.
0: Cal Bruton, just one of our guests on the next episode of Gradcast. See you then.
1: In the meantime, make sure to follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn. And be sure to listen to our previous episodes on your favourite podcast app. Gradcast is produced
2: by Content Group, and supported by the Commonwealth Superannuation Corporation, CSC. Check us out online, and we'll be back very soon, wherever you get your podcasts.